Good morning. Welcome to Earthmakers, spiritual care for real humans. My name is Josiah, and I am the grateful creator and host of this podcast. I'm a New Yorker living in Minnesota. I'm a clinically trained chaplain and spouse. I'm a recovering addict living with an eating disorder. I live with PTSD and other mental illnesses. Let's get started. Thank you everyone for uh, sticking with us in this uh, series on the inner life. I mean, really, the whole spiritual journey is about the inner life. It's boiled down to what's within. And that's why in, in my work, I always direct people within. Because in my experience, a lot of my teachers, early spiritual teachers, um, I would say from early childhood through college and even into seminary, continued to direct me back, continued to direct me toward this higher power idea and direct me away from myself. I mean, I even had a, a, a good, close, well-meaning Christian friend at one point tell me, Josiah, if you keep looking within yourself for the truth, it will always change. You need to look outside yourself for consistent, reliable truth. This is not so. <laughs> it's, just, it's just not so. The inner truth is the only consistent, reliable truth. And yes, it may change. Parts of the truth may change. Why? Because nothing lasts. And knowing that should create a sense of consistency and reliability, a solid foundation for you. So I continue to direct us back toward ourselves because we're going to have no clue how to even talk about connecting spiritually to others, all beings, or this higher power idea if we have no idea how to spiritually connect with ourselves. We are the first step and ultimately the last step. So on day one, we talked about the voice of the child. The voice of the child is the voice of our most basic, fundamental mammalian needs. Food, drink, shelter, rest, uh, cleanliness, touch, love, care, all things that we need. And these are different forms of connection that help us survive and in some ways lead us to what we would what we call thriving. The voice of the teenager is the voice of the defiant one within us, the voice of the the one that pleads and questions and rebels and defies and pushes back and insists upon things. The combative voice, right? And 
like we said the other day, the teenager voice is not necessarily always destructive or harmful. The teenager voice can be very productive, very helpful in certain contexts. But the truth remains that it is the inner teenager voice that is the addict voice. It's the voice that attaches and clings and insists you need this in order to survive. And then the third voice is the voice of the adult. It is the voice that creates order out of chaos. It is the voice that reminds us of our responsibilities to ourselves and all beings. It is a helpful voice. It is the voice that uh, pushes us to listen to this podcast, right? It's the voice that told me that I needed to create this podcast, right? It's the voice that says, even though America is eager to reopen its doors and everybody's eager to crowd back into concert halls and restaurants, it would be better if we continued to practice social distancing and mask wearing. But the adult voice is also the voice that shames and judges and reacts in fear and anger and disgust. You may think that that's the teenager voice or the child voice, but it's not. It's the adult voice. We assume the adult voice might be the mature voice. But uh, physical maturity does not guarantee mental, emotional, and spiritual maturity in all things, does it? No. There's some dissonance there and some dissociation that happens. Sort of division, a breaking apart. So as you can see, especially with the teenager and the adult, there's a shadow side to these. And lastly, we have the voice of the sage. Within us, yes, we have the voice of the child, the voice of the teenager, the voice of the adult. And we also have the voice of the sage, or as it's called sometimes, the wise grandparent. So take a deep breath with me. Out. Take a couple moments, softening your body, doing some relaxed breathing. Maybe close your eyes if you're able. And picture the wisest old folks that you know. Picture those heavenly grandparents. Who are they? What are they like? What are the words that you would use to describe their attributes? What are their attributes? 
and take a couple moments in silence to reflect. Okay, thank you. When I do this exercise with my patients, typically we fill the board with words like experience, wisdom, peace and peacemaking, um, acceptance, kindness, compassion, non-judgment, invitationing, invitational, welcoming, right? Um, all of these really powerful, peaceful, wise words. Well, I uh, attended a Dharma talk in which... Um, our guiding teacher uh, talked about um, the Jizo Bodhisattva. Jizo, spelled J-I-Z-O, is a legendary saint, uh, or what Christians would call a saint, so the, equ the legendary equivalent of a saint in Buddhism. And Jizo was a, or is a bodhisattva. So a bodhisattva is someone who has, uh, is very close to attaining enlightenment, but chooses not to attain enlightenment in order to help suffering beings. So withholds or holds off on enlightenment in order to be of help to all beings. And our guiding teacher talked to us about the six qualities of a Jizo Bodhisattva. 
So you can find Jizo statues. Um, a lot of Buddhists treasure these little statuettes. Um, if you look up Jizo on Google, uh, you'll find all kinds of interesting things and images. Uh, it's, it's a pretty cool um, concept or teaching uh, within the Buddha Dharma. So uh, the Jizo Bodhisattva is the voice of the wise grandparent or the voice of the sage. And uh, these are the six qualities. The six qualities are equanimity, benevolence, fearlessness, full responsibility, engagement in life, and unquenchable optimism. So by equanimity, we mean an even and balanced mind. Yes, even if we seek the end of suffering, suffering never really fully goes away, does it? No, and neither does joy. So suffering and joy never really go away. They're always there. But in the midst of our suffering and in the midst of our joy, we can attain equanimity, an even and balanced mind, and it can be reached and cultivated through practice, right? So we talk a lot about practice here. So the wise grandparent is someone who practices or has practiced and has tried and failed multiple times. So through experience and failure, they've learned to pick themselves back up. And they know, they know that nothing lasts, that all things are impermanent. And if they are wise, they know that suffering and joy are going to be constant companions in this lifetime. But we can still attain and experience equanimity, an even and balanced mind in the midst of our suffering and in the midst of our joy. The second quality is benevolence, which is to take care of others as if they were our own dear children. It's to look at all beings as if they were children. Even those who do wrong, according to Jizo, are innocent because wrongdoing comes from wrong understanding, which is born from a confused mind. So this is a very gracious approach to people. Jizo sees the childlike qualities underneath the layers of confusion not just in others, but in herself as well. So the quality of benevolence is not just something that we share with others, but it's also something that we use to take care of ourselves as well. We are called to show ourselves benevolence too. I often tell my patients when they are struggling with forgiving people or frustration, for example, I have a lot of patients right now who are experiencing high levels of frustration toward the current president. A lot of people are sharing in that, right? I tell them, look at the president and picture him as a baby. Picture him as he was as a child, as an innocent baby, an innocent, helpless child. And remember that there's a big part of him that is still that child that is confused and lacking in understanding. 
does this make his actions and the harm that he does excusable? No, not necessarily excusable, but understandable. And when we have and we practice that benevolence, it cultivates understanding within us, which cultivates a sense of graciousness towards others. This is a direct appeal to the inner child, right? So I also encourage my patients to look at themselves as little children. So when they become angry at themselves for relapsing or going to a new treatment center and having to leave their children behind and they're angry and feel like they've abandoned their children, I tell them, look at yourself as if you were a child. You need benevolence and grace too. The third quality of the sage or the wise grandparent is fearlessness. The wise grandparent is unafraid because she knows she is not separate from the whole universe. She knows that over time, a mountain may crumble, leaving it as a pile of stones. Those stones are still part of the earth. The Jizo or the sage or the wise grandparent knows that those stones may be swept into the ocean at some point and over time gradually dissolve into sand. That sand is still a part of the earth. So although in a sense it is impossible for human beings to accomplish fearlessness in this lifetime, we can have courage in the face of our fear because we know that even when our personal mountains crumble, whatever that might be for you, that what's left are stones and stones are still part of the whole. Stones can still be used. Stones can still be used to build things, right? And even if those stones dissolve into sand, what would the world be without beautiful sandy beaches, right? Without sand castles. Everything is connected, right? The interconnectedness of all things. And that can cultivate a sense of courage in us. Yes, I know that I've been put on furlough by my place of work and it was really tough for me at first. And it is still tough, right? But I know that even though that mountain has crumbled, I still have the stones to work with. And even if I were to get a call at the beginning of September from my place of work telling me, you know, we wanted to bring you back, but we just can't afford it. COVID-19 has hurt us too irreparably. And if I'm practicing the practices of the Jizo Bodhisattva or tapping into that wise grandparent voice within me, I can face that with courage and say, well, my stones have now dissolved into sand, but I can still walk on a sandy beach and enjoy it. It may take me a while to figure out how to do that, but I still can, right? Four, full responsibility. You may think that this is a reference to full responsibility for our actions, and surely it is, um, but it's more so full responsibility in a different sense. 
The wise grandparent practices full responsibility in that it is, they believe that it is their mission to free all beings to suffer. Now, we will never free all beings, but we can engage and vow to be a part of the freeing of all beings from suffering. In our practices, how we drive, how we eat, the things that we purchase and consume, the way we treat people with our words and actions and inactions, right? Take full responsibility. Your actions are yours and your inactions are yours. The fifth quality is engagement in life. Engagement in life is to practice meditation on impermanence, kind of like the crumbling mountain. We enter into the flow of life, seeing all things as they are, moment to moment, and we become fully engaged in life, and it is a joy to live. We enter into the fullness of life and into the flow of life by being fully present in the moment with what is, knowing full well that what is will not always be. Right now, I'm holding a smartphone, recording, I'm looking at my laptop, I've got a shirt on that I like, I've got um, teal-colored ear gauges, I've got... Uh, glasses that I like, all of those things will go away. This shirt will not last as much as I like it. It's a shirt. It will go away. So I'm enjoying this shirt right now. I'm fully engaged in life and it is a joy to live when I'm fully engaged. Six is unquenchable, unquenchable, not unquenchable, unquenchable optimism. This one's tough because sometimes progress cannot always be seen, but it is still happening. You may not notice it because intellectually you can't process what's happening and it's not, and as Mr. Rogers would say, what is crucial is not visible to the naked eye, right? We're still making progress, friends, even if we can't see it. So admitting we don't know what's happening and that we can't see it helps us and others. When in doubt, practice love. And since we are in doubt, a lot of the time we should be loving a whole shit ton. Maybe practice asking others, what have you noticed since I began my spiritual practice? And if they say, I've noticed that you've become more rigid, more angry, more frustrating, May I recommend that you set up a meeting with a counselor or a teacher who can help walk you through a new way to practice that will help you tap into calm and peace and joy and care. Start noticing things that are going well in your life. This does not mean that you're always going to feel happy. But you can remain optimistic even when you don't feel happy. So notice what's going well. Keep a gratitude journal. Notice what brings you joy, even if it's just a small measure of joy. Like I had some really great French vanilla oat milk creamer in my coffee this morning. It's delicious. 
I take joy in that. So who is the wise grandparent within us? See, we don't believe. That's This is part of the problem. We can understand and believe that we have an inner child, an inner teenager, and an inner adult. But the inner sage, the inner Jizo Bodhisattva, the inner wise grandparent, we think is just unreachable, unreachable, unattainable. And that's horseshit. I want to invite you now to consider that you already have everything you need within yourself. And the practice of spirituality and the practice of recovery is getting back in touch with what's already true about you, including the fact that you have a wise grandparent voice within you. Yes, you may just be 19 years old listening to this podcast and you are a wise grandparent. You are a Jizo Bodhisattva. You are a sage. You just don't practice it or you forgot how to practice it. So, in closing, here's a story. My grandma, Sue, is one of my personal heroes. She's in her 90s. She uh, lives in upstate New York in the parsonage where my grandfather and she lived for many years. Uh, It's right across the parking lot from the church my grandfather pastored before he died in 2013. May he rest in peace. When I was a child, I used to take the bus from school to grandma's house, me and my three siblings. And my grandma always had homemade cookies or candy or treats, most of it homemade, available for us without fail every time. And she would say with great joy, sit down at the table, have a cookie, tell me about your day didn't matter how small we were or how annoying we were as we told our stories. She just sat and with a smile on her face, she listened to every word as if every word were sacred. As I got older and went off to college, uh, I would come home to visit and I would stay at grandma's. And grandma has a big bed, big, soft, amazing bed in a guest room that I used to, I used to take naps in that bed when I was like five. Um, But that bed's still there, guest room's still there to this day. And I used to crawl into that bed and read stories as I fell asleep. Well, in college I would come home and grandma would have the guest bed all set up for me with candy on the pillow waiting for me and homemade cookies and she would say sit down Joey tell me how college is going and she would just sit and listen while I ate cookies and told her about my college experience nothing had changed in between childhood and college and the same stuff happened in grad school and seminary Now, years later, having moved to Minnesota, having gone through several different career changes and gone through my own addiction recovery and gotten married and so many, so many changes, and it's been years, whenever my spouse and I drive or fly back to New York, 
we stay with my grandma in that guest bed, and there's now candy on my pillow and my spouse's pillow. And there's food, treats, snacks waiting for us. My grandma sits down at the table, generally over breakfast the next morning, and says, tell me how things are going. And she sits and she listens with joy in her heart. My friends, this is just an example of a woman who has tapped into the wise sage that is at work within her. The wise sage is, yes, an inner voice that you possess, and it is also the voice of your higher power revealed within you. Just because my grandma's old does not make her wise. I've known lots of very unwise, quote, unquote, old people, very angry, grumpy, unwise, uncompassionate old folks. But I've known plenty also like my grandma. I have an inner grandmother, so do you. And it just looks like this. There are going to be days where your inner child is calling out, begging for food and drink, for rest. And your inner adult is scrambling to figure out how to feed and nourish the inner child and keep it from screaming. And while you're carrying your inner child, trying to rock it to sleep, Your inner teenager is walking behind you, taunting you, yelling at you, defying at you, challenging you. And you say, this is not the time right now. I'm trying to take care of the inner child, but the inner teenager just gets louder. And now you're overwhelmed by a screaming child and a defiant screaming teenager. And all you want to do is turn around and shame them. So you start shaming them, barking, shaming words, angry words at your inner teenager and your inner child. But it is possible in the midst of this to achieve equanimity like the Jizo Bodhisattva. It is possible for the inner grandparent, the inner wise grandparent, the inner sage to step out of the kitchen and say, hey, hey, everyone, it's okay. Why don't the three of you sit down at the table, have a cookie and tell me about your day? We're not going to solve this right now. Just tell me what's going on. You can make space for yourself to process things. You can be gracious. You can be benevolent. And you can have courage. You don't have to fight this alone because you have everything you need already. You're not lacking. So if you struggle today with feeling like you're lacking, you're not. You've got everything you need. So my invitation to you today is to practice, make part of your spiritual practice the practice of wise grandparenting. Just like the Jizo Bodhisattva, include equanimity, benevolence, courage, full responsibility, engagement in life, and unquenchable optimism in your spiritual practice. No, this is not ignoring suffering because we can't ignore suffering, right? But even the Buddhist monks in Vietnam who were being killed and tortured, even the uh, Catholic uh, Christians in Japan, in feudal Japan, who were hiding underground for fear of being killed by the empire, 
um, we're able to practice unquenchable optimism and equanimity. So my invitation to you, if you feel oppressed, if you feel frustrated, if you feel shame, if you feel alone, is to remember that you are a Jizo Bodhisattva. You are a wise grandparent. You are a wise sage. Just as much as you are an adult, a teenager, and a child, you are also that. So tap into that. And the only way you're going to know how to do that is to practice the qualities and attributes of the wise grandparent. So, so get to it. What do you have to lose? What is the worst that could happen? You might get better. And the people around you might get better too. And that sounds great. Thank you so much. I love you. Take good care of you today. And I'll see you tomorrow.